For more insight into cannabis education efforts, we partnered with TrueFact, an organization that provides unbiased scientific education on the therapeutic and recreational uses of cannabis while advocating universal and safe access for everyone. I'm really excited to welcome Scott and Cisco, the founders of TrueFact, to Down for the Cause today. Hello, Cindy. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Really well, thanks. We're so happy to have you today. Yeah, it's great to be here. So to get us started, can you kind of walk us through your journey with cannabis and the inspiration behind True Fact? Yeah, absolutely. Um, True Fact Cannabis uh, really started um, right at the same time as Scott and I were both using cannabis for for various reasons, uh, medical reasons. And um, really it came down to the fact that we needed to find more and efficient ways of using cannabis. Uh, it was it was becoming um, really, you know, effective for for both of us to use. Um, but, you know, our, our, our knowledge of cannabis, uh, even though we had some, you know, uh, experience with it, even before uh, we were using it medicinally, um, you know, both of our knowledge around cannabis was still pretty limited. And, you know, there were lots of circumstances where we wanted to be able to use cannabis uh, like you would any sort of pain medication, uh, being out in public or, you know, with your family and friends and, you know, using cannabis the way we were, which was smoking it as a, you know, a joint or, or whatever you want to call it. It was uh, it wasn't always convenient or, you know, there's there there was and honestly still is a huge stigma around cannabis use and the smell of cannabis sometimes and so um so anyway we realized that uh, we needed to personally find you know like i said more more uh uh more ways of consuming cannabis that was a little bit more um easy and useful and and, and, and functional and and that basically led us down this path of exploration and discovery and uh we became a a, a you know a sort of a a go-to knowledge base for friends and family. And ultimately um, we realized that at that point that uh, we wanted to be able to share the knowledge that we had uh, amongst the people that we knew that could, could really use it. And this was, um, you know, this was pre-cannabis legalization, uh, which happened in October of 2018. And, uh, and, and cannabis, um, because of its uh, illegality, is still really siloed um, uh, thing that people were really, you know, cannabis users uh, would use cannabis with their close friends, but not necessarily with, you know, strangers and knowledge stays, you know, stays within those, those groups and stuff. So, so we wanted to be able to like, you know, kind of spread the word a little bit. We knew that legalization in Canada was, was not too far into the, the future. And we thought it was a, a good endeavor to, to get the word out a little bit. Yeah. You guys definitely started right on time. So yeah, congrats on the timing. Yeah, the timing was was good in a lot of ways. Um, it was serendipity, though. It was it just so happened that uh, a couple of things occurred in, in both Scott and my life that uh, that lent themselves to to uh, being you know uh, uh, treated pretty effectively with cannabis. You know, so uh, like I said, I I've literally stopped or and I shouldn't say stopped because I still find that pharmaceuticals have their place in, in you know, patient care and whatnot. But I, I've significantly reduced the number of uh, pharmaceutical painkillers that I have to take uh, through cannabis. And I think that's wonderful. You know, so. Yeah, that's great. And going back to something I think you said, it's really important. And I know in my personal use of cannabis, I've almost found a little bit of embarrassment of not knowing 
certain things about it when I am using it or if I'm around other people who are maybe more knowledgeable. So I think it's really interesting that you all have kind of changed the direction to say, Hey, we're here to teach people. And it's not embarrassing. If you don't know, you still want to consume. So I think that's great. Um, what kind of events do you all host or participate in and how does it help you achieve that organizational goal of education and advocacy? Yeah. So as, as Cisco was mentioning there, like at the beginning and, and still very much in, in different groups, I mean, everybody's approaching this from, from a different perspective and, and has different access to different levels of information. So the first step is just being able to have that ground to stand on for yourself, to be able to say, Hey, I'm want to explore this a little bit more. And then oftentimes it's getting the, not necessarily the permission, but you want to have the support of your, your family and loved ones around you. And that, that can obviously be challenging sometimes as well. So you want to be able to, to justify what, what plan of action you're taking, because sometimes, you know, it's getting easier, but you're, you're taking a certain amount of risks out of your comfort zone, at least. Um, never mind legal risks, but you're, you're sort of taking a risk out of your comfort zone. So it's a matter of giving people those basic resources to say, here's, here's the basics of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the basics of um, just a little bit of information to sort of have some ground to stand on and say, well, well, here's some fact-based information, take it for what it is. Everyone has a unique relationship that they will sort of develop with cannabis and how it's going to work for them. But everyone can have at least that uh, informed process is sort of the starting point we like to start with. So we just sort of give people basic guideline information on like how to consume safely and responsibly um and then going more more into different consumption methods and stuff and then just just really educating consumers on using sort of the minimum effective amount that you really need to get the the desired effect because um you also don't want to be promoting overconsumption. there is definitely some some negative aspects of of cannabis consumption um some of what you would deem the side effects of cannabis are sometimes what's desired to treat a, med a medical condition like if you want to be using it to help you with sleep but you don't necessarily want to be drowsy during the day and cannabis can be very biphasic to one to a point where that means that um, a small dose of cannabis might be very effective but a larger dose might suddenly have the opposite effect and have a, a negative impact on what you're trying to do and then the, the opposite can also be true you may be taking a small amount because you're trying to be cautious but you're not really getting into the the therapeutic range for what you're trying to achieve for whatever whatever the parameters are what you're working with but so it's really about kind of explaining to people that everybody re engages with cannabis differently and that it's kind of a self-experimentation process that you have to sort of start with and it's just giving people that framework and then building a starting point from there to kind of get get them going on their own pathway and then we would do that typically um, quite often one-on-one. -on -one. You know, people do engage with us for just simply a one-on-one -on -one consultation to to learn about um, how to, you know, maybe they're going through a medical, you know, crisis and they need to, you know, learn how to use cannabis. They they may not want to learn in a group, but we also have done this uh, quite regularly in group sessions. Um, uh, you know, maybe a, a whole family wants to learn about cannabis use because they're multi-generational and it, and it affects everybody. Um, and then uh, we also do uh, public events where we do sort of a cannabis 101. We do a, a uh, how to use vaporizers uh, workshop. 
Um, and then we do, do try to do some fun events as well. You know, like uh, we've done a, a cannabis and crafting workshop where we get out and sort of have, have some fun. That's events. awesome. So yeah, so the the events yeah. are, are very important. Um, and just being out in the community and talking to people, kind of breaking down the stigma and uh, having real conversations. It, it's uh, it, it, it really is amazing some of the conversations we've had with people um, because we all sort of have this human experience of, 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 uh, of, of being experiential, you know, like we, people are curious about things and they want to know what things are like. And, and now with the barriers being broken down, people are more and more curious about cannabis. And uh, yeah, we've had some really interesting, interesting conversations with people just about people, people I, you know, I've had a conversation with friends and friends and parents of friends that I never thought I would ever have. <laughs> you yeah. know, somebody's like, you know, what, you know, all of a sudden they're using CBD to help with a, a knee problem or something. Somebody who, you know, kicked their kid out of home and went 15 first. You know, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a, quite a transformation, and uh, it's really nice to see. You know, I think, I think it's great. So. And yeah. Every, sorry, I was just going to say too. Like everybody has like a different. Even like say like listening to music. If you could compare having a relationship with music, so people could use music for different reasons. You might listen to it to almost meditate or be relaxed. Some people will work out with music. Some people could do any number of life activities with music. And just saying, oh, I listen to music doesn't really capture that. Well, my listening to music for me is going to be different than everybody else. And in the same way, like your cannabis consumption could be so many different things. It's just a very personalized thing that you kind of form a unique relationship with. I just trying to find a better word for it or metaphor than relationship, but it really is sort of like a, a bond that you make and have a reciprocal balance, a balance with. I love that analogy. I think I never I would have too. put those things together, but it actually makes perfect sense. And I think we need to start normalizing exactly what you guys said of when you have more information to be able to change your mind and say, okay, I did kick my kid out at 15, but now I, I know the real reasons and the real benefits behind it other than what absolutely. I was just being told in the media or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That ability to change, you know, that's a, you know, a lot of people use cannabis for that as well. <laughs> Being introspective and, you know, it's, a, it's a, you know, not uncommon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the individual perspective you guys gave. I think that's really important, especially as we continue to try to destigmatize a lot of the cannabis use and everything that surrounds that. So what are some of the common misconceptions about cannabis that you've encountered based on these conversations? Yeah, um, I think cannabis, the, you know, there's so many misconceptions. Um, you know, it's been really stigmatized and um, vilified for so long that it's been a scapegoat for so many different, so many different things, right? So, uh, you know, there's misconceptions that range from anything like uh, that uh, people who consume cannabis are lazy. You know, that's like a super common just sort of like, you know, societal thing. <laughs> uh, and there's misconceptions that, uh, you know, that, that, it, you know that it can affect uh, intelligence, you know, uh, and, and, and negatively affect IQ. I think that uh, uh, a lot of the information that's been most recently released has uh, debunked a lot of that now yeah this is it's 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 kind of difficult because there's just so many layers of of that misconception right there's just the like there's the like we talked about about you know being sort of uh 
pigeonholed as a, you know, sort of stereotyped as, you know, a cannabis consumer. There's like a certain, you know, image that people often have in their mind. Um, but then there's also like, you know, you know, um, for people who consume cannabis, the, the, there's even misconceptions, you know, like, uh, what we were just talking about a moment ago with respect to, um, uh, what is recreational and what is medicinal as far as cannabis goes. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, uh, of misconceptions and, 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 you know, a lot of the misconceptions around cannabis, um, are still, still exist in the nomenclature, uh, regarding cannabis, you know, um, uh, there are terminologies that are used that are used, you know, incorrectly. Um, I remember what somebody recently referring to the, uh, the psychoactive substance on cannabis, the THC, uh, trichomes as pollen and pollen is something produced by the male plant and trichomes are really produced by the female plant and the female plant is not producing pollen, but at a basic level and without any sort of like sort of science knowledge, you could easily confuse the two if you were to look at them. So there's all these misconceptions that are just part of um, not knowing or not having a, an understanding that now that things are changing, we're starting to obviously understand these things a little bit more. So hopefully there are fewer and fewer misconceptions, but uh, you know, there's still lots that are ingrained in society just about how people can, can consider uh, cannabis consumers. Um, there's a, um, there's a lot of talk about cannabis consumers and parenting, uh, and some of the misconceptions that people have around cannabis, uh, often extend to, well, if you, if cannabis makes you lazy or can you be a good parent if you use cannabis? And of course there are, you know, the, the, the number of parents who use cannabis are just like the are reflective of the regular population that uses cannabis, whatever that percentage is like, you know, 30% have tried it in the last year or something like that. <laughs> So, right. so, you know, you, obviously there's not a bunch of really poorly parent, you know, parents parenting poorly just out there because of cannabis use, right? So, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's easy to debunk these things, but the, the misconceptions still exist nonetheless. Yeah, the parenting one I haven't heard, uh, mostly because Mariah and I aren't parents. So I guess we don't ever have to hear that kind of stigma come our way, but... That makes yeah. a lot of sense. A, a fun story. I actually got caught when I was younger uh, with <laughs> weed. And I remember my mom caught me and she was like, you know, what are you doing this that you have no idea how to smoke it, what you're doing? And she taught me <laughs> like she was like, OK, like if you're going to do it and you're going to be interested in it. And right. like now I can do that stuff with my mom. And right. it's well it's. I think a benefit of her parenting, maybe even. Absolutely. I was very forward thinking of her and, and, uh, you know, that was great. Good, good parenting. I think, you know, I had a similar experience with my parents, you know, they, they knew, they knew I was at an age where it was going to happen and they were much, they were much more comfortable knowing that it was coming from a source that was safe. And, and, and they knew cause they had also used cannabis that it wasn't, it wasn't going to, um, it wasn't a gateway drug. You know, they, they, they weren't, they, they'd use cannabis without having to worry about a, a slippery slope towards other things. And, and they weren't worried about that with cannabis and, and me. So I think that would also help. Kind of. So, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that's great. Good, good job. 
<laughs> I'll let her know. I'll let her know. I'll tell yeah, her she has to still, listen to this. <laughs> there's still a lot of um, a lot of disparity though, and a lot of issues with with parents trying to come out and deal with either their own consumption of cannabis or trying to help their children with cannabis. And mm -hmm. uh, you, you hear these unfortunate stories of parents that are actually being separated from their kids and and losing custody of their kids or being incarcerated for just trying to help either them, their own better their own health or their kids health. Um, you know, that at the beginning of legalization, when Colorado was sort of one of the first states to come online there, you know, there was these cannabis refugee families that were just influxing from all over the country, literally picking up their whole lives and moving their family to another state just to try and get access. Right. Wow. And, um, wow. and, and still today, right. You have people that are dealing with the ramifications of that in states that are not, uh, still dealing with prohibition and don't even have a medical system or it's common, you know, in custody battles, people dealing with, uh, you know, divorce situations and stuff. And then the spouse is holding that over them as leverage. And so it can be very traumatizing on so many different levels, how like just the prohibition of cannabis can really affect so many other aspects to where it's like, it's tearing up family units and um, yeah, it can, it can really wreak a lot of, a lot of havoc. So it's definitely good to, have these conversations more openly now, now that prohibition is kind of eroding slowly away. But um, yeah, it's just better to have these these conversations out out in the open and not uh, not be so um, sheltered by just the people that are kind of behind closed doors, almost like in just the it cannabis for so long has been a last resort, last last use line of defense type of thing, and a lot of serious medical conditions, and people are stigmatized for even thinking about trying to access it it's like well you can't do that you need to do you know if you have cancer you shouldn't be doing that you got to do your chemo and all these other things that they're which very kills quick you. to which are very yeah they're very quick to put you in those protocols mm -hmm. when like in reality like yeah that's it's a whole nother question that could go on our topic that could go on for hours just about <laughs> the medical system on that side of things but uh yeah it's definitely people need to have more information so that they can make those choices for themselves and not feel like any one particular thing that they put in their body is going to be uh, more detrimental to their, their immediate family or their surroundings. As far as uh, the risk to the public health is not outweigh your own personal right to consume or put in your body. What you have, you have a right to know what you're putting in your body and um make those choices based not off of like prohibition of like right lies, basically right yeah i think too we see that with like everything that we consume food alcohol other prescription drugs where i think if people took as much of a lens into other things they would be really surprised what they were consuming um so i think it's interesting that we've always given a really microscopic look at like marijuana but comes to other industries probably not as much like look at cigarettes stuff like that um but yeah so and just sugar yeah <laughs> just sugar the most oh. basic fundamentals of what we eat and consume on a daily basis <laughs> right so based on both of your experiences obviously it's led you down this journey of education into individualizing this experience for a lot of other people but for you specifically how has cannabis kind of become more than just a plant, more than just a drug to you in, in your day-to-day -day lives? 
Yeah, I would I would say that like just to follow up on what we were just all talking about there is that it's it's a tool and it's sort of a really really multifunctional tool. It's like it's like something out of a science fiction movie. It's like here's this magic tool. It can do anything you put your mind to. It's perfectly designed to have a, a balance with your 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 system, and uh, it's going to activate on your endocannabinoid system in your body and. Uh, it's more than just a drug in the sense that it, it's, it's more of a, it's more like a, a tool set and a way of kind of approaching things. And I think the biggest thing it allows people to do is once they start to use cannabis a bit is you can become more introspective and slow down and become more self-aware of your own processes. And then you start to become more aware of the processes around you. And then it allows conversations kind of like what we're having today that are a little bit more engaged and a little bit more, digging below the surface of issues. And I think that's one of the biggest powers of it. And that's kind of why it's been suppressed for so long on a certain level is like, that's one of the things is it allows people to connect with themselves first and then to each other in a way that's just uh, balancing for the universe. I don't know, not to get all floofy there and kind of a hippy dippy there with cannabis. I love your explanation. But yeah, it's it's the perfect balancing tool to basically it's 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 the magical cure for for all of humanity's problems on one level <laughs> or another. Like you could really have that conversation. You could debate it on like textiles and resources, food, um, health and wellness. It's not just a drug in that way that is activating on your system, but it's also like a um, it's a nutritional supplement. It also balances your whole body. It's just it's just part of your balance, basically. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm rambling on a bit now, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave that there for now. <laughs> something that I don't think is appreciated is that, um, you know, there's a, something like Scott touched on there called the endocannabinoid system, which is the, the, in, the, the inherent system in our body that, um, that uh, the cannabinoids act upon, but it's in every one of us. Um, and it wasn't even just nobody, no scientists knew it existed until uh, scientists were doing um, studies on cannabis uh, and ultimately discovered that this molecule had a receptor in the human body. And so it's it's a uh, it's definitely kind of, you know, like I said it's part part of uh, our balancing system. It's part of our homeostatic system. And and uh, yeah, it really does it. it it's funny when people say, well, it's the miracle, it's the miracle drug, it'll, it'll help, it'll help you with everything. But uh, in, in some, in some ways, you know, there, there's not much uh, human, not many human processes that homeostasis doesn't touch on from, you know, uh, the, the, you know, fluid moving between cells and, you know, the body temperature and all of that stuff. And uh, the endocannabinoid system is what controls all that to a large degree. And cannabis is part of, you know, part is, is, you know, acts upon that system. So it's not, un, it's not, it's not ridiculous to think that it really can have some of these wide ranging uh, health effects yeah? and, and really be a, 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 a natural health food product. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think what you said about the basically just the science of it all just makes a lot of sense if you're able to remove yourself from all the stigma and look at it how it is. And it also gives you the opportunity to kind of conceptualize everything that's going around. 
And Mariah and I are huge advocates of doing that. That's kind of why we started Down for the Cause to begin with. So I think that ties in and hits home for us. Yeah. And there's a, a lot of the research that has been done over the last, you know, like last 20, 30 years, there has been like good research starting. But prior to that, and even still during this time, most research funding is only approved in the United States to prove the negative effects of cannabis, right? So most funding never even gets approved. And then once, once you get your study approved to go forward, um, traditionally all of the cannabis came from the University of Mississippi. And so it was all grown in one place. And traditionally the cannabis that was coming out of there was very, very poor quality. So you're trying to rate the efficacy of something when you're not even starting with a good representation mm -hmm. to begin with. So it's like, well, of course it didn't work very good. It had barely any active ingredients in there that they were trying to like actually target with. Right. So it didn't get the desired effect because by nature of the research was flawed to begin with. Which, right. Just playing a losing game in that. Yeah. Sense. It's, it's like the game is rigged. Right. And then when you start to just analyze history and look at these things that have happened and go, well, wait a minute, they did this. And like, well, why did they do that? Or like, if they're lying about this or this was not the accurate facts. And then you just changes the whole paradigm about when you're just having that conversation. It's like lifting the, lifting the veil of fallacy off of it. And then suddenly going like, wait, this thing actually has, we have an endocannabinoid system. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Like, yeah. I had to Google it. I was like, I yeah. have no idea what that is. Right. <laughs> now I know. So, yeah. Cool so as we start awesome. to kind of move forward with, unpacking cannabis justice as a social cause what important societal impacts of cannabis do you think our listeners should be paying attention to right now and how can they mobilize change for cannabis justice in their day-to-day -day lives yeah you know um it's amazing that you know i think the biggest change that needs to happen with cannabis is is truly the decriminalization of it for the, the uh, the legalization of it. Uh, e either one, you know, people have to stop going to jail for cannabis. And that would be, I think, the number one um, important thing that how, you know, cannabis could impact society is just to simply stop um, having it be something that's illegal. You know, I, I think that that alone would uh, would be a huge impact. Uh, and then, uh, then second to that, which is like, uh, which is all part of the same conversation, which is, you know, expungement of records and rectifying the historic wrongs and, and, and making sure that people who are in jail for simple possession um, or uh, have records that keep them from employment just because they mm -hmm. were caught with a gram of cannabis five years ago. Um, you know, Scott and I were discussing, you know, it's with cannabis, Yes, you know, there's the there's there's jail, which a lot of people unfortunately experience and, and disproportionately in the states, people of color experience that. But, you know, there's also the um, the record, which is a huge barrier to employment, to education, to voting afterwards, vote, voting voting uh, 100 percent. Absolutely. I mean, those would be the first things I, I think that need to be sort of addressed. And, and uh, you know, and, and I have to say, you know, it's amazing the progress that is taking place in the United States. Um, and here in Canada, we have a, uh, a program where if you want to have your record um, expunged, you can apply to have that done through the government. Um, but I'm awesome. happy to see that in some places, some jurisdictions in the States, um, that's, that's, uh, that's happening more um, um, 
proactively the government is is going through their records and expunging those records that they have that have cannabis attached to them um, not forcing the person who has the record to seek their own um, resolution so anyway there's some great stuff that's happening but that's definitely what i think needs to be the first next step for yeah yeah i i think that's really interesting we talk a lot about the record piece of it but all of those aspects that you mentioned i think that's like secondary thoughts of when people are thinking about criminalization of marijuana so i really love that you brought that up and our our last question today i think we've talked about a lot of interesting aspects of cannabis how it can affect people's lives but Sid and I are really curious, our listeners are really curious, what does success look like for TrueFact? Yeah, so success for TrueFact would be just basically giving people, empowering people to make those informed choices for themselves and hope uh, an ideal situation where nobody feels intimidated to raise their voice or, or speak up or, or ask a question or, or, or feel like they're ashamed or they, they, they don't want to access cannabis because they're worried about their job or their family or, or crim, criminal prosecution or anything. Um, that everyone just has a human right to access it and, and use it for whatever whatever reasons that they need to for, for, the, for themselves. I think that would be the, the biggest thing is just to be able to have everyone to know the possibilities that cannabis can have for them and then people can make that choice for themselves and um, yeah if, if everyone was making that informed choice I think the world would be a much much better place we really appreciate you guys always empowering individuals to make their own choices we love to see we love it to do too <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you so, both for on. yeah that was really yeah great. thank you for joining us and to all of our listeners be sure to visit true facts cannabis on instagram at true fact cannabis and their website www.truefactcannabis.com <laughs>